Hey guys, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. Well, our summer siesta is officially over. My kids actually started back to school today, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. So whether you're currently changing diapers or riding the subway or taking your lunch break or running errands, whether you're alone in your bedroom or hustling at the gym, I'm just so honored you're here. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. We're partnered with My Church Life Church and our women's ministry, and we're also big time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets for free in hundreds of languages wherever we go. And listen, we love connecting with and hearing from women from all over because it's not about one story, one location, one individual platform, or even a podcast. We are all about one name, the name of Jesus, the name that will wipe away every tear, every sin, every doubt, every heartache, every fearful or anxious thought. That's why we love the Capital C Church, the global body of Christ. So whether you're in the desert or by the ocean or in suburbia America like I am, this is simply an ordinary place where we can gather, where we can remember what truly matters, where we can take a deep breath of truth and encouragement right in the middle of our busy, messy lives. Well, we are kicking off our fall semester here at The Messy Table with the wise and darling gals from the Risen Motherhood podcast, which happens to be a personal favorite of mine. Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler are down-to-earth mamas as well as sister-in-laws who are simply passionate about the gospel and aim to view the wildly beautiful gift of motherhood in light of the resurrection. They also happen to be launching a book baby into the world coming up on September 3rd, and we here at The Messy Table are giving away a handful of those life-giving books but you'll have to jump over to Instagram for the rest of those details. Well, guys, a verse that's important to us here is Revelation 12, 11, and it tells us that our enemy is conquered by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus, and by the word of our testimonies. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But like this verse says, our enemy is conquered by Jesus and by the word of our testimonies. What a joy it is to speak what he's done in our actual lives. And what a gift it is to hear what he's done in the stories of other women as well. So pull up a chair, reheat your coffee, and join us at The Messy Table. Well, hey, ladies, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you for having us. It is a joy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's fun to be here. Well, I'm just so honored to have both of you, and I know everyone is pumped to hear your wisdom. But first, we just want to know a little bit about you. So if you would give us a behind-the-scenes look into your lives, your families, and just how you spend your days. Sure. Yeah, uh, I can start. My name is Laura Whistler, and I am the executive director at Risen Motherhood and also the co-host of the podcast with, of course, Emily here. Emily is also my sister-in-law, which is super fun that we're related work together. She is married to my brother. So that's how the, the connection works. Nice. And, um, yeah, we, we both live in Iowa and I think my days are spent generally at home with the kiddos. I work 20 to 30 hours a week on risen motherhood. So kind of piecing together childcare, early morning work hours, nap time, you know, fitting the work in where I can. And what else can I say about it? We recently wrote a book. That was, that's the big one. Just a small little thing, just a book. (laughs) Just squeezed it in there. So what are your kids like? Who are your kids? Oh, my kids. Yes, I have, <laughs> I have three children, Eli, Colette, and Eden, ages six, four, and two. And they are total joys. So fun. Um, 
they're very, I like to think of them as like just very amicable kids, you know, they're just easy to hang with. I love spending time with them. And, um, we just enjoy reading and playing Legos and magnet tiles and marble run. I do not do imaginary play and marble. So that's like, I know marble run. I love marble run. It's so it fun. Is fun. I actually remember liking that when I was a kid. So my brother yeah. had, had them and we'd build them all over the room and it was super fun. I love it. So yeah. do you have any fiery kiddos or are they all just precious? Uh, I mean, they're all precious. Yeah. No. I mean, of course. <laughs> um, my middle two, my girls are a little more fiery and my youngest definitely has a lot of stubbornness to her, which is a really, really good thing. She is knows what she wants. will tell you like it is and definitely going to make her, her needs known. So, um, but yeah, in general, like, I just feel like they're just easygoing kids. I don't, it's not what I did. It's just whatever the Lord's done. So. <laughs> um, well, I'm Emily and I'm the content director for Risen Motherhood. So get the joy of serving alongside Laura. And I just do a lot of goodness, editing, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts, talking about just vision and strategy and just all the exciting ways that we get to get the gospel out there to our community and to the moms that we hope to reach. So. Um, I do that. And I also am home with my kids for the most part during the day. So I have a seven-year-old twins that are five, um, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So we are just super busy, all hands on deck. Our house is very, very active and lots of noise. (laughs) It's really busy. There's always something funny going on or not funny, whatever. Right. No, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, we're we're finishing up summer right now. I think I, I have this giant calendar in between my garage door and the living room that has like all the weeks of summer. Mm-hmm. And I've been crossing them off as we go. And I finally see like the last two or three in the corner mm-hmm. and you just feel like, wow, where did this go? And I'm pretty sure we only did like three of the 10 things we were going to do, but oh right. wow. Right. So your oldest, Laura, is, do you say seven? Six. Six. And then your oldest, Emily, is? Just turned seven. Just turned seven. Okay. I heard a lot of numbers there and I'm like, wait, now what? Okay. So now do you all do public school, private school, homeschool, a mix of all of it? Yeah. um, Right now, my oldest three are at private Christian school. And then my four-year-old actually has special needs. So he's on an IEP and Mm -hmm. he goes to a public school. So this will be his second year of like public preschool. Okay. So yeah, we've got four kids in school, two different places. Yeah. <laughs> so far it's been working out really well. We've had fantastic experiences, both places, and I've just really, really been blessed. So. Awesome. And my kids, uh, they both attend the private school, the same school as Emily's children. Um, my youngest or my middle child, I apologize, is in preschool there. And then I have one in first grade. So mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But we take school year by year. That's the big yeah. thing that Us too. I know Emily does too. Yeah. We're kind of mm-hmm. like, what are we doing next year? Well, we'll tell you next summer. I don't know. <laughs> Same here. Year by year. Mine are in public, but we really, really prayerfully considered homeschooling and uh, didn't end up going that route. But I have so many, some of my great friends, they homeschool and I have friends that do, you know, just it's whatever God calls you to really. So yeah. there's not one way to mama. That's right. Uh, and there's so many good it. options. That's like almost what the problem is, is actually that I'm like, you know what? They're all good options. And so it makes it harder in exactly. some ways. <laughs> Do you guys Enneagram or no? Oh, yes. Oh, what, yeah. are, what are you all? I, Laura, I heard you talking about options and I'm an options yeah. girl and sometimes yeah. it can be so overwhelming. And so I was wondering. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I'm an Enneagram one. Okay. So I definitely ha- love mission. I love being, you know, working for a purpose, working for a greater cause. And I also just love, um, fairness, fairness. <laughs> <laughs> drops that in right I big on things being fair and it you know life isn't fair we've all learned that since we were two years old but it is something that like is a high value for me that I feel like things are fair and so Emily's definitely brought me along with that reminded me that fair doesn't always mean equal and that mm. has been oh, to that's good that's really good yeah and I'm an Enneagram seven um party (laughs) I know it's funny I feel like a non-traditional seven right um because whenever I hear like kind of the the party like hilarious you know almost like adventurous or like crazy I would say that doesn't describe my personality but I can really relate to this desire that drives me to like avoid pain and like discomfort and to constantly reframe things Mm -hmm. to be positive or more joyful or like okay, I, I see the pain, I see the problem now. How can we find hope in this really, really fast? Yeah, and like, kind of, let's get to the, let's get to the part where we can keep going and be back to normal again. And so that has a lot of benefits and then it has drawbacks at times for sure. Um, somebody told me this past winter, they thought I was a seven wing six mm-hmm. and I hadn't realized that. And I think that they're so right because I also have a little bit of that um, more serious side. But yeah, the people like once I buy into something and am committed to something, I'm just all in and just feel very much like I want to stand by obviously my marriage, my family, <laughs> the, the things I'm heavily committed to and have a little bit more of that analytical, let's run this decision through these traps, mm-hmm. you know, mindset. So I will say Emily is so fun to get stuck in an airport with. We've been flying and traveling (laughs) a lot lately and we recently got stuck in O'Hare and I have never, ever done this in my life. The first thing she said was, should we go get massages? Should we go get a spa? Find the spa. spa. Like at the airport? Why not? suffer through at the airport you know it's supposed to be a bad place and emily's like no we're gonna go have the best time ever and it was such a classic setting. it was and classic. i went and paid way too much for a terrible chair massage oh man hey oh. any massage is pretty awesome so yeah yeah that's true. well i need to have a dtr with the enneagram because i haven't committed but i tested well i tested a seven but i have a lot and when one was next and i have a lot of one tendency so i can relate to both of you oh. So, interesting. I know. I know. Which oh, man. Sevens, Those ones, they're very different. They're very different. Yeah. But sevens go to one in stress too. So I don't know. Yes. I don't know. And then people tell me I'm a two. So I just, I'm divergent is what I've decided. So I like that. Divergent. <laughs> I'm a so 10 on the Enneagram. <laughs> I'm a 10. <laughs> I heard sevens don't like to be boxed into things. And so really? we don't always love the Enneagram because I don't want to be I don't want to have my options limited. That's funny, Emily. I just told someone the other day, I said, which number doesn't want to like be labeled? <laughs> which one is that? Because that's the one maybe. But <laughs> all right. So you guys are both just deep in the trenches of motherhood. You're also working, you're in ministry, you're doing all the things. I'd love to know, do you guys have any practical life hacks or tips or daily rhythms that you've uncovered that just help make your life better? Yeah, what's fun is I think life hacks seem to really change from season to season, depending Mm -hmm. on kind of some of the boundaries and routines that our family really needs to thrive. Um, I would say the two biggest things that are helping me in this season, one would be 
having kind of time blocking to my day. And so every day is, of course, a little bit different. You know, the chores that need to be done are different. What we're going to do for dinner varies. My work hours vary. Um, and so having just a general structure, knowing, hey, in the, the mornings, this is the thing that our family needs to do. I, I need to work, focus on my home, focus on, you know, playing outside with the kids, whatever those things are. Knowing in the afternoon, I've got specific time that I can focus on ministry. I can focus on my emails and that's designated. And then in the evenings, you know, knowing what those are going to be used for. So I think having kind of that general framework has helped me kind of switch from one thing to another, knowing that all the responsibilities I have would require as much as I would want mm-hmm. to give them, you know, right. there's endless needs. And so it just kind of has helped put some limits on those things. And then uh, the other thing that's super practical, my husband and I just started doing um, as our kids are getting older, we want them to help clean the house more and um, the things that they get out. And that's been something we've always done to a degree, but uh, we started doing zone cleaning. Mm-hmm. So we took pictures of our whole main like living, dining, kitchen area, like little square shots. And my husband printed them all off on cardstock and we put them in page protectors. So when it's time to clean up, we've been handing those out and saying, you're responsible for these three zones. Go make it look like the picture. And it's been neat to watch them because before we were just saying, go clean up. And like, I don't know, everybody's standard of clean is different. Uh, you know, some kids would just shove stuff under the chair and like, look, it's clean or exactly. um, Yeah. Like just not really knowing like, well, what does that mean exactly? And it's cool to say like, they can hold up their picture and see the pillow isn't straight or, Oh, there's still something on the carpet here and it's not supposed to be there. So it's just been a super practical way that we're involving our children to help be responsible and clean up. No, I like that. That's yeah, good. There's my one life hack for now. I, I like love that. It. I didn't hear that. Yeah, we just started that. I love it. I had kids cleaning bathrooms this morning, so I'm all about it because before we leave town, we're going out of town tomorrow as of the day we're recording this. And I'm fine with things being messy here and there. But when we're leaving town, I'm like, I need to get it in shape because I do not like coming home to a dirty house. So. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, yeah, well, I would bounce off what Emily's saying. I think one of the biggest, I don't know if I would call it a life hack, but it was something that I just had to learn in motherhood is that I had to slow down and teach my kids how to do the things I wanted them to do. Mm. Things like how to put your shoes on, how to put your coat on, you know, like you lay it on the floor, you stick your arms in, you flip it up over your head, you know, that preschool <laughs> way of putting on a coat. But it was so helpful because much like you're saying, Emily, you would say, go clean the room and the kids are all like, okay, I don't really know what that means. I would say, Hey, can you help me unload the dishwasher? Can you get your shoes and coat on to get ready to go? And for me to slow down and for two weeks to say, okay, we're going to be doing boot camp training and learning how to do certain things. It really in the long run has saved so much time. So that was a big thing for me because I'm a fast mover. I like everybody keep up with me. Don't slow me down. I'm just charging ahead. And so it's been really good for me to learn to slow down and really good for my kids Um, and then another one, I think this whole back to school, you asked about school, it has me thinking about something that we do on the first day of school. And I totally ripped this off another mom friend. So this is not my idea, but something that we do for any mama who is sending her kids off maybe to private or public school or just another location for school in the fall. Um, we all draw hearts on our hands. 
like permanent, take permanent marker and we color in the hearts. And sometimes everybody has a different color. And so, oh, this, you know, pink is Colette and blue is Eli. And we put the hearts on our hands. And then when we look down on it, we all know we're all thinking about each other throughout the day. So I know sweet. it is so sweet mm-hmm. and you know, it's just soaked it up. I might rip it, it off of you. It. Okay. <laughs> oh, you do it. Please everybody use it because it was so fun because I posted it on Instagram, uh, last year. And then it was so funny because some people started school a little bit later than us. And I kept getting all these DMS from all these women who did it and said their kids just felt so loved and they felt special and they felt excited and, and a little less scared about going to school. So it's just kind of a fun, mm-hmm. sentimental fun. thing. That's a great idea. I love all those. Man, you guys are a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) Some days we are. (laughs) (laughs) All right, girls. Well, this is the messy table. And a common theme in our life is that, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in the mess. And Revelation 12, 11 tells us that our enemy is conquered by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus, and by the word of our testimony, sharing what he's done in our actual real lives. So, I would just love to hear what that's looked like for each of you. I know that there's a lot of messes in life, but maybe if you could zero in on a specific time or season or something that you've been through or are going through um, when life has been challenging, but still God has shown up and he's been faithful. Yeah. I mean, when I thought about this question, so many things came to mind. I feel like, as you were mentioning, just a life with a young family and young kids and trying to take care of other responsibilities does have a lot of moments that are really tough and a lot of seasons that are hard to get through. And I think one in particular for me was the season where we had four kids ages four and under, and I was pregnant with our fifth child. And that alone would be of stress Mm -hmm. more than enough for feeling like when we had that fourth baby, we like turned a corner into like a new level of chaos that I was like, unfamiliar with or wasn't expecting. And so that was a lot to just fill their days. And then we were also moving during that time. Um, We were building a house. We were trying to keep our current house, you know, in good condition. Um, It was kind of an unpredictable timeline kept getting extended. We had boxes that were piling up along the walls and it was a wintry season, just really challenging. We couldn't get outdoors much. And then on top of that, our 18-month-old, our youngest child, was having a lot of developmental delays and was missing milestones. And my husband and I just really weren't sure what was going on. So we were going to different doctors. He was getting MRIs. He was getting genetic tests, really trying to uncover what is going on here mm-hmm. and what what's his prognosis going to be. And so then there was also a lot of fears of, well, what about the baby that I'm pregnant with? You know, is this child going to have something like developmental delays or is going to have health or medical concerns? Um, It was just a really scary season. It was a very foggy season. Um, And then at the same time, though, like life was just moving at this crazy pace. So Mm. it was just a strange, like, I don't know how to describe it. When I look back, I have these two impressions. And one is that every day felt so long and, and just like not knowing how we would get through each day. But it also was like chaos, moving, appointment, 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 you know, but I think in hindsight, we're now over two years removed from that. I just see that God was working in my heart 
an endurance, um, a perseverance. I mentioned earlier that, you know, as a seven, I like to avoid discomfort. I want to avoid pain. I want to mm-hmm. reframe the situation to something positive. I want to get through this transition as quickly as possible so we can be in our new house and we can be settled. I want to get the diagnosis as quickly as possible so we can just know and have this question answered and then maybe we can move on. Um, but that's that's not what God did. He had us in a season of limbo and a season of transition. And um, I think just learning to be comfortable with where God has us, even if that hurts. And even if that's not where I want to be right at that moment, just seeing he grew in me a lot of dependence on him and a lot of neediness, weakness, weariness, um, needing to stay grounded in his word and in community. And what I love, um, again, looking back, you know, risen motherhood really was born in that season. Mm -hmm. And this whole ministry that we have today that we were not expecting Mm -hmm. that we didn't plan for, you know, the book and all the different things we have going on was really an overflow of what God was teaching me. And some of even the things that we're able to share about today about the gospel were truths that God was forging in me uh, during that time. So it's just hard to see it in the moment, but looking back, it's just amazing. That hurt, but there's a lot of fruit in our lives now that, you know, Ability to be self-controlled, endure suffering with joy, have peace, nowhere to turn for hope really came out of that season for me. Wow. Well, it's so relatable because I think we all have things going on in our lives right now where we can go, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm desperate. I don't know exactly where God is taking me. And like you said, sometimes in the moment, it's like, God, what are you doing? But then when you look back, you see his fingerprints of faithfulness and you're like, all right, or the fruit. I love that. Yes. It gives me confidence that today when I have a hard thing, I may not see, but I trust because I can Mm. remember another time when it was hard. That's a good point. And I did something there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. I think Emily and I's seasons, in some ways, as she was talking, I was thinking, oh, our sound a little bit similar. But I think (laughs) we had different experiences of of each of us going through, even speaking about, oh, I'm a one and she's a seven or just um, beyond the Enneagram, really just different personalities, different ways of dealing with things. And I think that for me, about two years ago, I started into a really, really busy season um, that in some ways spiraled downward so much that I ended up in a season of burnout Mm -hmm. and just really, really um, difficult time for me where I always had thought that burnout was sort of for this is going to be brutally honest, but like for someone who's weaker, you know, this burnout is for someone who can't handle very much. And, you know, they never really did have a lot of energy or weren't able to accomplish a lot. And, uh, the Lord really humbled me and brought me to a place where I was incredibly weak and I was incredibly unable to do much at all. And what happened through that season was essentially, um, I also have a daughter with special needs and our story is a little bit different, but we found out rather quickly and I was induced very suddenly. She was very small and we kind of knew right from the beginning, at least from when I was induced, that there was a pretty significant chance that she would have special needs. And within about two months, we had a diagnosis and we're on that path of 
heavy medical treatment, a lot of doctor's appointments, still many, many questions, but you know, she had maybe three to five appointments a week between therapy and doctors. Um, the same time she got diagnosed, my husband severely broke his leg. He oh. had surgery. He's out of work for a month. He uh, was in a wheelchair for a long time, couldn't get upstairs to sleep in our own bed. You know, the whole, the whole thing I had a newborn was postpartum special needs, a husband that um, was unable to probably help as much as is normal, at least. And at the same time, we also chose to move uh, a cross-state move from Illinois to Iowa. And we were writing a book. We were writing a book where the motherhood became a nonprofit. And we moved temporarily in with my parents. And uh, we lived with them for about a year while we built a house. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those things weren't in my control. You know, my husband breaking his leg, I had nothing over, I could do nothing about that or my um, daughter's diagnosis, but there were some things in my control as well. And there were small things even where I'd say, I'll take that project. I'll, I'll design that. I'll, you know, volunteer for this thing. So it was both perpetuated by life circumstances, but also a natural personality tendency to say, I can do all and be all, and Mm -hmm. I will never drop the ball. And I maintained it for some time, but after a little bit of time passed, um, I started to struggle with insomnia. I was waking up at 3 a.m. and going to bed at 11 p.m. and could barely Mm -hmm. sleep. I developed, um, oh, vertigo. They call Uh, it a stress-induced vertigo. I had crash. I was dealing with kind of blacking out sometimes. And um, I even struggled with doubts in my faith or just asking questions that I never Mm -hmm. asked before. And so I was starting to see a bunch of like new things in my life that I'd never before dealt with. And they were some visible signs or physical signs of probably what was going on in my heart. And so um, I came to Emily actually one day and I finally told her and I then told my husband soon after of just kind of, I can't do this. I I think there's something bigger. There's something more than just, I need more sleep, you know, Mm -hmm, something else mm -hmm. is going good for you. Yeah. And and that, if anybody is in that spot, I would say, tell someone I waited too long to Mm -hmm. tell someone. And because I was afraid, I was afraid that they would think less of me. They would think that I'm weak, Mm -hmm. um, that they would think, they would take something away from me. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure exactly, but. Or you just think it'll eventually pass. But when it's not passing, then you yes. need help. Yeah. yeah, I remember you used to be like, oh, this week was better, but this week was better. Yeah. And it was like that hard reality of, well, but it's not just a day needs to be better. <laughs> the whole season needs to be yes. better. Yeah. yeah. So my husband and Emily and I, we, we talked and I talked with my parents and just trusted people in my life. And I think that God was really teaching me to tear down some idols that I didn't realize I had of being in a sense a deity. You know, I felt like I had no limits. I mm. felt like I could do anything I set my mind to. And the Lord was really teaching me to rely on him as my all and that he is my identity. And what I need to accomplish is only being faithful in what he's given me because he already accomplished it all on the cross and that my worth or measurement or value wasn't based on how I dealt with therapy. If I remembered medication, if I built the most beautiful house, if I, you know, was a great roommate with my parents while we lived with them, that wasn't where my source of value or identity came from and that I could trust God to care for those things and, and to carry me through a really, really hard season. Um, and that was so good. It's something that I continue, like 
I think I'm still sort of recovering from burnout and I can see tendencies towards doing too much and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when I tasted how sweet it is to rely on God and to be okay with rest and to say no, it was, it's so sweet that I just have to remember that, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so much less pressure. And I'm so thankful that the Lord provides a way for you to be dependent upon him as we're supposed to be. Oh man, I feel like we could take so many bunny trails off of everything you said. <laughs> um, you know, I think it kind of reminds me of something that as moms and as moms with Instagram and as moms with Pinterest that we can really deal with, not just comparison, but really the, I, I was talking to my husband about this the other day, just the fact that obviously we know we're not perfect. We know life is messy and we know that Jesus is the one who accomplished that for us on the cross and he's the only one that's perfect, just like you're saying, but yet for me, I was thinking through what does it look like to win? And I know that sounds kind of silly, but because I think I can be self-critical or I can just, I want to get it right for my kids and I want to get it right for my husband. And I want to, and I'm not even necessarily hard on other people. It's I'm hard on myself um, and just wanting to get it right. So anyway, just, we were talking about the question of what does, and I think he actually asked me that. So what does it look like for you to actually faithfully follow Jesus and when being far from perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, whoa, all right. And so you both kind of answered this in different ways, but maybe just elaborate. How do you find that joy and contentment despite you're going to continue to have setbacks? You're going to continue to have hard days. But how do you find a peace that transcends all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing is a lot of us, or I'll just speak for myself, you know, I want an easy answer or a life hack for that <laughs> for that question. And it's really, it's, it's hard to do, but it's simple. You mm-hmm. know, our joy is found in the Lord. It's found in his presence and in looking at and meditating on what he's done mm-hmm. on praising him and receiving things with Thanksgiving, praying without ceasing. Those are the things that really give our soul joy Mm -hmm. in the midst of whatever circumstance we're in, because there are some circumstances that are fun and enjoyable. And then there's others that we're in the midst of it. And like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. This isn't comfortable. This isn't what I would choose. But no matter how uncomfortable or painful it is, I can turn and look at Christ and meditate on him and think about what he's done and find joy there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just practically for me, I feel like I'm entering or I'm at least partway into another season of just being really, really busy, busier than I would like. But this time I've actually increased my time in the word Mm -hmm. instead of feeling like, oh, I I don't have a lot of time for that. I'm like, I actually like can't survive if I don't make more time. Like, and so it's just been really interesting to see that shift of, you know, actually increasing my Bible reading, increasing my prayer, going faster to the cross or like turning on a worship song when I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm just realizing like it's futile to go anywhere else. Like the Netflix show is going to feel good for 25 minutes or whatever. And then I'm going to feel more depleted. But Mm -hmm. when um, I, I, maybe I let my kids watch a 20 minute show in the morning. Cause I missed my early morning quiet time. Like I sit down and like, I have to have the Lord today. Mm-hmm. Like, or I can't, I can't make it. I'm too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is just so faithful to bring calm and rest to my soul. And that's like the only way I'm hanging on right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. is just time with the Lord and knowing that like he is sufficient and he really does make my soul happy. Um, I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. I love that. It reminds me of a quote and I can't remember who it's by and I'd butcher it, but it's something about, I have so much to do today. I should spend three extra hours in the word or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? George Mueller. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. He also was the guy who basically said, I don't need to read any other books. I only need to read my Bible. And I think he had read the Bible like hundreds of times. Like he just, that was the only source of input you know, that he needed. It's, he's very challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good though, especially in an age of yes. so many amazing resources, but really right. we need the one above all others. Yep. Yes. So true. It has all we need. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I know there's something pretty exciting coming up on September 3rd. You guys have been praying <laughs> and listening and writing and rewriting and working hard to get the risen motherhood book into our hands. And can you believe it's almost here? No, it's super surreal. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the weeks keep counting down. It's like, oh, this is really going to happen. Yeah. In some ways, I kind of feel like it's already here. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Right. Well, all the stuff leading up to it, that kind of makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So give us an overview. I want to know kind of what compelled you to start it, write it. What's the overall message God has put on your heart? Yeah, well, it really is an outflow of the overall ministry that we do with Risen Motherhood. And our hope is just to encourage moms to live out the gospel in their everyday lives and to take everything from the big questions we have in motherhood, like, how do I know if I'm a good mom? How do I know if I'm successful as a mom? To the minute questions of how much screen time do I show my child? Or, you know, what kind of snack food should I give my kids? We, We kind of run the gamut and we love to talk about how the Bible and God, he speaks to all of that. And the gospel matters to everything in mm-hmm. your life. And mm-hmm. so that is our heartbeat with our ministry, with much of what Emily and I um, do within the ministry. And the the book is an outflow of that. So we're definitely taking it from a higher level uh, vantage point, but we address things like self-care and postpartum body image and education choices, food choices, I'm trying to think of marriage, yeah, Yeah, heart attitudes. So a lot of these higher level topics and and what we're doing in them is is showing women how to process those things through the gospel. So it's not going to tell you what to do in the end. It's it's not full of practical tips and how to's, Mm -hmm. but hopefully it will help reframe a topic for a mom to help her see that God does care about how you feel about your body. God does care about your heart when you're feeding your children. And here is is how we can see that through the Bible. And here's how you can see that you have freedom to make decisions within um, a biblical framework. And so once a mom works through the book, our hope is not only that she sees us do that to the topics, but that she can walk away doing it for herself. Because our biggest passion is not that Emily and I stand from a high tower, but it's to bring women alongside to lock arms with them and say, here's how you can do it too. And it is so cool when you can take a topic in your own unique circumstances, because we don't live other moms lives. They Mm -hmm. have different things going on and different experiences and they can take it and say, Oh, I know how to do that for my own life, or I know how to apply that to my unique circumstances. And so our hope is just that the book would really do that for a mom and she would feel 
both that God sees her and cares about her in every moment, but also that she can grow in this skill of understanding mm-hmm. the gospel and God's word and apply it to her own life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh man, that's so good. Well, and I love viewing everything in motherhood and in life through the lens of the gospel. And I like how you said, yeah, we're all unique. We're all diverse. We got, mm-hmm. you know, biological moms, foster moms, adoptive moms. Yes. We have single yep. moms. We have widow, you know, we have all kinds of mamas out there. So viewing everything through the lens of the gospel is so huge though, because even in our unique, diverse, very different circumstances, he still has very clear truths that we can apply in in different ways. And so you guys always do it. A great job at that theologically and just digging into the word, which I think definitely is the most important thing that we can do. Not just look at how we feel and what society is saying and what culture is saying, but what does the word of God say? And then how can we apply it to our lives in this day and age? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a feeling out there that the Bible is archaic or outdated or it's not relevant to life. Then you have on top of that, like a mom feeling like, well, I don't have time. I don't have the the energy. I don't have the the knowledge. I've never been to seminary. I'm not the older, wiser woman in this relationship, you know, or whatever. And I think that is, is much to what you were saying, Emily, that we would advocate that a mom has every reason to be in God's word just as much as the next person. And that it is so important. These years really can be years for them to understand that the Bible isn't outdated, that the Bible isn't unrelevant to their life, but that instead the Bible speaks to it mm-hmm. in um, not always completely perfectly clear ways, but it does sure. address <laughs> this. Yeah. What's cool is that when a mom is rooted and grounded in the word, it gives her discernment and ability to then go look through practical solutions and ask her friends for advice and do the Google search and have a sense for what her heart attitude is in that and make choices in freedom and in faith. And it's just kind of a lot of us get the order reversed. We go straight mm-hmm. to the practical, straight mm-hmm. to our friends. And then we're like kind of trying to shove that answer into a biblical framework versus starting from the good news of Jesus Christ, the things that God already tells us to do, and then taking that uh, with us when we go uh, mm-hmm. asking for help. Right. And what a beautiful day and age, honestly, that we live in, where we have a billion Bibles, probably each in our own house. We have it on our phone, just the fact that it's everywhere. But yet we probably live in a time as well where it can, even though we have it in our pockets, it can be the most ignored because we're busy and we're distracted and all of that. And so... I think sometimes stepping outside of ourselves and really seeing what a gift this is in this day and age and even getting closer to those latter days that Jesus talked about when his spirit would be poured out on all men and just that God is going to use this book as one more way just for women to see him and know him. And and that's what I pray and believe will happen. And so thank you guys so much for writing it. I want to know what's been the most energizing and exhausting surprises while getting this thing on paper. Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, energizing and exhausting. I don't know. I love the actual writing process. I think that was, oh man, that was both energizing and exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> you put almost everything in both categories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's really, really neat to, you know, we like signed up to do it and you feel like, okay, like, I think we've been working on processing the gospel. I think maybe we have something to write. And then you get to this point where you're like, nope. I don't know anything. I have nothing I can do on paper. And then you pray and, and God brings things to mind. Yeah. And suddenly like you have a finished draft and you're like, only God could have provided the thoughts and totally. the resources and the energy and things to do that. So it's just fun to feel like, you know, energized even through that as God provides strength and wisdom. Um, 
I think for me, one of the more exhausting parts has been just kind of getting the word out there about it. It's just a different type of time and energy, but I think there's a lot of joy in it too. And it's like a really important thing to think of stewardship and to think about all of the neat things God is going to do uh, where something may feel like, Hey, this just feels like answering emails or this just feels like posting something to social media to keep it in the context of, again, the greater things that God is doing. And a lot of times that comes through mundane, unseen, just step-by-step, faithful things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I totally say ditto to all of that. And then it was pretty cool to see the cover. I think that, oh, yeah. that for me was just a moment where you're like, you kind of have this fuzzy vision for a really long time. And our publishers were great to work with where we were very particular about what our book looked like and how we, it's everything down to the <laughs> color. It is beautiful. All of that. And they were great to work with. And then to see it in our hands and touch it and rub it against my cheek was just, (laughs) was pretty cool. So Ah, I'm so excited. What would be your hope for the mamas out there who are reading your words? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Laura mentioned a lot of them. Um, Just our hope would be that they would feel like they understand the gospel of Jesus Christ better than maybe they did before. And that they would know literally what to do um, with whatever their situation is, like Laura was saying, kind of that thought process. I have been reading through the book of Colossians I just finished, and it just reminded me yet again that sometimes we can focus in so much on this really specific decision point that we might have in our lives, like, oh, well, should we add this thing to our calendar or not? Should we sign up for that sport or not, you know? what school choice should we make? What what should we have for dinner? And we can really fixate on that and feel like our righteousness and our goodness hangs in the balance. But the word of God really talks about whatever we do, doing it in thanksgiving, doing it in faith, doing it for the glory of God, doing it in a way that puts on Christ-like you know, actions and and Christ-like heart and putting off things like anger and malice and idolatry. And so I think we would hope that a mom could see her unique circumstances and say, hey, whatever God has given me, and it may be different than what's in the Risen Motherhood book, it may be different than what we've talked about on a podcast episode, but I know that God wants me to do this in a way that reflects Christ. And I know he wants me to walk forward in a way that trusts him. And that believes he's got good for me. Mm. And I know that God wants me to, um, you know, honor my husband, love my children and whatever this is I'm going to do. And I think there's some freedom in that. And again, just simplifying this thing that feels so complicated to us in every moment that Mm -hmm. really it's just following Christ and obeying him and whatever Mm -hmm. God has next. And Mm -hmm. it's not a complicated Right. little hidden treasure we have to dig up. It's really the treasure is word and he's already really opened the box and shown it to us. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And it makes me think of what Laura said earlier about putting other things as God, how we can do it, you know, to people we can make ourselves, we can put ourselves above God. And when you were mentioning looking for the right decision, we can absolutely yeah. make that a God. Like, I just want to get this right. I want to make the oh, right yeah. decision. And so yeah. I think that's such a great reminder, just trusting God, like 
God, you're not going to, we're not going to mess up your plan. I mean, he's got us. Like he is, I was just reading this morning that he is our shield. He is our protector. And, you know, sometimes I think we can look at that and be like, well, but is he? Because we're all going to die eventually. But really it's no, our souls, like he is around us no matter our circumstance. And even if someone kills our body, like no one can touch our soul except for him. That just made me think of that. So, Mm, so true. Well, we always want to know about your favorite resources. So in addition to the Risen Motherhood podcast and book, of course, is there anything that you can't get enough of and would just love to recommend? Yeah. What's really fun is um, we've actually compiled, Laura and I have compiled some of our favorites and our team's favorites on our website, risenmotherhood.com slash resources. And it sounds like a cop out to say, but I'm always like, my favorite books are over there. All my That's favorite great. Are over there. So definitely if anyone probably wants a more exhaustive list, go check that out. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of stuff we've mentioned on social media and things like that. Um, oh, goodness resources are one of my favorite things. Yeah. So I can never, ever narrow it down, but mm-hmm. one that sticks out to me in the last That's a seven months. thing, you know. I know, I know. I'm like, ah, don't ask me that question. Give me 50 answers. Um, one that sticks out to me in like just the last year, um, I read a little book for the Christian life. Oh, that was um, good. By Calvin. Yep. And it's just packaged. It's this really beautiful little book and it goes pretty quickly, but he just touches on a lot of facets of how it looks to live a life of sacrifice to following Jesus, what it looks like to obey him, what it looks like to live in community. It was written like a long, long time ago, but it is amazing how relevant it is to like right where I'm at yeah. today as mom, you know, just living in central Iowa, uh, just still those timeless truths. And it was a good read. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one that I like, I totally ripped this off of Emily's bookshelf. I think you took it out of my room when we were in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I read it before she did and it was her book. Uh, you were reading something else. So I knew <laughs> but it's called Stepping Heavenward by mm-hmm. Elizabeth Pritz. Pr- Prentice. Prentice. I yes. never know how to say her last name. Elizabeth Prentice. And it's another older book, but it's a woman's diary. And it's just amazing to watch her go from age 16 all the way to just before her death at maybe age 60. It's wow. been about eight, nine months since I've read it. So the details are a titch fuzzy, mm-hmm. but essentially it's all about her growth and sanctification and learning to love and lean on God. And I would highly recommend it to anyone to read and just, she's a mom. She goes through a death of a child. She um, is learning how to live with her husband and be married. And she's just vulnerable and honest and real. And it's just I just felt like I could underline the whole book. So I would recommend that. And those are both linked. I believe both of those books would be linked on our resources page. You'd be able to find them there. But those are just two books that we've really enjoyed in the past couple of months. Mm -hmm. Great. So interesting. Well, Emily, Laura, I personally am just so thankful for the way you desire to know God and make him known. And I'm thankful for your partnership in this great kingdom work. So keep on. I'm cheering you on. And as we head back into the week, could you maybe leave us with just one final word of encouragement? Um, Yeah, I think I would go back to what you had talked about earlier in the interview where we were just sharing about how there's a lot of freedom when you trust and understand the gospel and you see things laid out in a biblical lens. And I think we were talking about, you know, education choices and we talked about, um, you know, decisions and going straight to Google and things like that. And I think that the thing I would just want to encourage moms with is understanding that it is so much less about the decision that you make. It is is far less about public school, private school, homeschooling, and so much more about your heart in the process. And that is what the Lord is looking at. And so when Emily talked about us kind of flipping things around and we go kind of to the practical and we try to squeeze it in and say, is this godly? 
but instead coming at it from saying, how can I make the most Christ-like decision in this situation? I think we'll find that actually a variety of options will be a great fit, Mm -hmm. but it's really what the Lord's looking at is like your heart in the process. Is it humble? Is it open to change? Is it being teachable? Is it desiring to honor God and glorify him? Or is it desiring to glorify yourself and for you to look good? And that's been just a real mind shift for me over the past five or so years as we've done more and more with risen motherhood. and I've had more practice at it. It's just to flip that question upside down of less about Hey, what should I do? And much more about, well, how do I go about doing it? And what's my heart's posture in the middle of it? And, you know, what does my husband say? What do older and wiser women than me say? And, and asking some of those questions first before we get to, well, should I breastfeed or should I bottle feed? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Should I give them 25 minutes of screen time or should I give them an hour? Which one's more godly? Well, it's probably more about your heart in the process and Mm. why you're using that screen time and less about the actual number of minutes. And so I would just encourage a mom in that of of practicing, of putting in some hard work to reframe her mind through the gospel, because that is, as you mentioned earlier, like where joy is found and where true contentment is found. And I think where a mom will find that she enjoys her role that God has called her to as a mom so much more when the burden and pressures that culture places on us is taken off because she's she's applying the gospel to everyday moments. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, girls. I so appreciate it. Y'all are awesome. And I really am cheering you on. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. We're so grateful for your ministry as well. And it was really fun to be here. Well, friend, remember, we are giving away a handful of Risen Motherhood books simply go to the Messy Table Podcast on Instagram for details to enter. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the conversation notes at genjewel.com slash podcast. And if you want, you can subscribe to the podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. That's my favorite thing to do because then I don't have to track down a new episode. It simply appears like magic on my phone. But guys, more than anything, we don't want you to forget that God loves you. He sees you. He hasn't forgotten you and he's with you. And make no mistake, God is at work in your mess.